uh, we have entered into a new, brand new uh, presidency in the United States. Uh, now we have a new person that is uh, uh, slated to direct our nation. And as a matter of fact, uh, direct some affairs internationally at the same time. But as we are well aware, uh, at the end of the day, whether you're a businessman, whether you are a career politician, uh, whether you are a musician, a lawyer, a teacher, a doctor, uh, that when you uh, enter those offices at the end of the day, you are a politician. Uh, we don't care what you say, but uh, what we know is from experience. And for many of those who are of the political stripes, the one thing that they consider the most is, uh, what do I need to do to get back into office? And I now know that this is already underway, believe it or not. Already underway. Well, I guess they have to plan as well. But that is not my focus, you see. Uh, my focus here today, it has to do with the idea of a politician, a governor, a president, a senator, an alderman, or the this or the that, who ascends into the office, and then at the same time, in order to get that, uh, to get that position, they make many, many promises. How many promises have we heard uh, from person after person that there's going to be a turkey, turkey on every table? I will make sure uh, that, uh, uh, that your block is seeded with grass. Right, I'm talking about the grass that grows that you cut with a lawnmower, right? Uh, we live in a different time now, so after... I, I, I will ensure that uh, my administration will support your union. I will do whatever it takes to get you to vote for me so that I can become the next civil leader. So what we know is that our politicians, they also break promises. They say one thing and then they end up doing another thing. This is nothing new. This is going on before, uh, before any of us were around. Uh, that politicians were making promises and then they were breaking them. But of course, this is something that is not new or unique to politicians. This is something that's part of the human race. How many people have you known uh, to make a promise to you and then turn around and break it in the same breath? How many people said that, yeah, I'm going to be there for you through thick and through thin, and then when you finally go through thick, all you hear is crickets? Why? Because people break promises. In fact, not only do people break promises, you have also broken a promise. You have also not kept your word on something. You told someone that you would help them, but then you had a change in mind because you decided you didn't want to get out of the bed to help that day. Or maybe because something else came up, but the bottom line, you didn't keep your word. You see, broken promises is not anything unique uh, to the political arena, this is something that's true in all of our lives. Now, I'm not uh, making that a general drip pan to say that all of you have broken promises because I don't know that about all of you. But what I do say is that I know human nature, and human nature says that most of us, some way, shape, or form, at one time or the other, have broken a promise. And for that, we can say, Lord, forgive us. 
But there is one who makes a promise. And then once he makes a promise, he keeps his word. There is one who is bent on, uh, when I say I'm going to do it, then you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to do it. That I don't care what it takes or how long it takes, that I'm going to keep my word. Well, is it the person sitting next to you? Uh, probably not. You wish it could be, because none of us are, here it is, infallible. We don't have the view of divine authority to make all of our words ironclad, but there is one who is infallible. There is one who once he speaks to you that I'm going to heal you, that he's going to heal. There is one that speaks that uh, once I open a door, I will open that door. There is one who speaks that says, I will give you eternal life. That when he says that he will give you eternal life, you, can, you better believe that he will give you eternal life. Today we're going to hear a word about God keeping his word. Well, it took him about 25 years or so to keep his word. But one thing that we know is that he kept his word. So I challenge you today, I challenge you right now, to trust God more today than ever before. Genesis chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Genesis chapter 21 beginning in verse 1. And the passage reads, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and, and bore Abraham a son in his old age. Ain't that something? At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears, will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah, right, remember, remember now, Sarah is 90 years old. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? I hear you, Daddy. Yet, I have borne him a son in his old age. Amen? And then I said, ain't that a trip? The long-awaited promise is finally realized. So, so, so God, he keeps his word. Uh, since the very beginning of this Abrahamic story, we have been awaiting Sarah's pregnancy and the birth of a kid. But after 
going all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, and now we're in Genesis chapter 21. 20, 25 years have expired, right? And a lot has gone on. A lot has gone on. After many years of struggle for them, it seems to me that after all these years, that all Scripture could do was give us seven verses? I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they've been lying. He's been fighting with kings. He's been fighting with his nephew. Chapter after chapter after chapter. The this, the that. And now, uh, God had told him in the very beginning that I'm going to basically give you a kid. And now, that after 25 years, God says, Bloom, uh, you only get seven verses in Scripture. They've been waiting for this all of their married life. And I believe, again, that it didn't just start once they made it to the promised land, but it started when they were married in the land of Ur. Because again, who wouldn't want to, once you're married, who wouldn't want to have children? Most people do. I know some people uh, that say, I'll never have a kid, and that's okay too. But most people, uh, when they're married, they want to have kids. They want to have children. So this promise to them, however, was threatened over the course of these many years by unwise decisions that either Abraham and or Sarah had made or some other threat that had come their way. The latest of these decisions was found in the chapter before this, in, uh, here in Genesis uh, chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. It says this, From there Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev, and lived between Kadesh and, Sh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Well, took Sarah. Well, wait a minute now. Didn't we read earlier? Wasn't there another story about Abraham lying to someone else that Sarah was his sister? Or did the person who wrote Genesis, they say, you know what? Man, that story has so much drama in it. Let me just put it in a second time. No, I don't think it was that. That this was the second time in which uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, that they were faced with another group who again looked at Sarah, his wife. Again, you know, again I say Sarah must have been like so fine. I mean, come on, you know, she, she's now in her 80s. Sarah is almost at this point 90, right? 90, uh, almost 90 years old. And Sarah is almost 90 years old, and she is so fine that another king wants her. Guys, you better say, let my wife be a Sarah. But why was it that Abraham hadn't learned his lesson the last time? The last time he told that uh, Sarah is my sister lie. Why hadn't he learned then that, you know what, Abraham, you don't have to lie because God got your back. How many of you, you when you get into a tight space, you automatically lie? How many of you, when you're late to work, that the first thing you do, you lie instead of depend upon God? 
How many of you, when your assignments are not completed, or when you find your back against the wall, you decide to lie instead of depend on God, even when it's not your fault? As I said before, for some of us, a lie is a very present help in a time of need. You know, it's one thing to learn your lesson the first time or even try and manipulate uh, the situation a slightly different way the second time around. But it's crazy to fall back into the exact same behavior pattern that you used when you were, le- when you were less mature. How in the world can you again go back to acting like you were when you were a Christian in year two versus now that you've been with the Lord for 25 years, there is no difference in your lifestyle. With Abraham, as it is with us, that as we mature in our faith, God expects for us to mature and to act like we belong to Jesus Christ and not act like we belong to the devil. But it's crazy, again, it's crazy to fall back on that behavior. But then again, you know, maybe, maybe Abraham thought that, you know what, if God rescued me last time when I told a lie, he'll surely do it again the second time. So I'm going to go ahead and tell my lie, and I'm going to wait on God. Brothers and sisters, we must not tempt God or be presumptuous concerning his actions. We must not tempt God. God or act presumptuously toward what God wants to do. So this, this, this story begins with the Lord visiting Sarah just as he had promised here. Genesis 21 verse 1. Remember Sarah laughed when the Lord told her that she would have a child back in uh, Genesis 18 and 12. Remember that? Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 18. Sarah, she, you know, she was just having a laughing good time. She must have been a joy to live with. But also remember that uh, God had told Abraham that, you know, you know your woman, she laughed when I said she's going to have a baby. Sarah said, I ain't, la- I ain't, ain't nobody laugh. So she lied about laughing. But God keeps his word. God keeps his word regardless of the number of years it takes to keep his word. Can you say amen? amen. So if If God had to keep Sarah alive for 200 years to have that baby, do you think God could have done that? Let's try that one more time. I don't think you're listening. If God needed to keep Sarah alive for 200 years in order for her to have that baby, could God have done that? Yes, he could have. God is a promise keeper. He does not break his word. When God says he's going to do something, you better believe God is going to do it. But for the Lord, time doesn't mean anything. In our eyes, that's where time is a problem. Why? Because God, he works everything according to his will. God works in, with, outside of time. In fact, it is God who invented time. God created time. Are you aware of that? How can you create time? That means in order to create time, you have to be outside of time to make time happen. But for us, we look at our experiences and we look at time from a different perspective. 
For us, time can be slow and laborious. When we were kids, remember that? We couldn't wait to grow up, right? I couldn't wait. I remember even, you know, for my sister and my brothers, I couldn't wait to grow up so I can have the freedoms that they had. Man, I was going to be free as a bird once I grew up. And then uh, once I, I got a little older, about 18 or so, I, I realized when I made it into college that, you know what, you know, I got it pretty good here. So I'm not going to be in such a hurry to leave. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if my parents knew this or if I share this with them, but my plan once I turned 18 was that I wasn't going to leave until I was about 33. I'm serious. I was, I was not, and I know many of you, when you were kids, like, I can't wait, I can't wait to get out of here, because they always trying to do this, that, and the other, and they're always in my business telling me to get up and telling me to go take a shower and clean my room. I can't stand them, but for me, I'm like, man, I'm going to stay here as long as I can. Man, I'm going I'm to be up in here. Right? Because my, I had a plan for my life. Right, and I wasn't going to mess it up doing stupid stuff. I wasn't, I had already learned, I told you a story before about, you know, standing up to my father. I told my father, I'm a man just like you are. Who do you think you are? And then when I came to, I'm like, what? What just happened? What? What? Uh, you never think my father did that. Hey, if Abraham can have a baby, you better believe that this man here could knock a young man out. And I was out. And I told him, I'm telling mama on you. Right? I'm not sure if he remembers that, but I told him, I'm telling mama on you. I was such a man. Boy, was I nothing but a punk. Boy, I didn't know. But you know how it is with time. You're waiting for your high school diploma. It seems like it takes forever you always got to read. You always have tests. You're waiting for this college degree. You're taking courses that you really, you don't see what sense this makes. Why do I need to take this class? It has nothing. Why do I need to take trigonometry when all I want to do is be a gym teacher? Time moves slow when you're looking for that mate, that right person. Time moves slow when you're trying to save money. Time moves slow when you're trying to remodel a room on your house. Oh, Lord, have mercy. In those situations, time, it moves slowly. It feels like no progress is being made. I hope she doesn't get on me, but my wife was telling me a story about when she had gone to Alaska the one time, and she had said that uh, uh, when they were in this, uh, was a four-seater plane, a uh, four-seater plane, and they're flying across the water, and she said she was looking out at the water, it seemed like she, it seemed like they weren't going anywhere. And looking down, seeing all the ice, and then some animals and things like that, and they were just in this plane. Did you, did you tell me there was like a moose head or something in there with you? There was a moose head in, the, in a four-seater with them, and she's in the plane, the plane And I'm not sure how many hours it took in that little playing. But she said she wanted to lose her mind because she didn't feel as if nothing was happening. And that's the way it feels when you're waiting for something to happen. It just feels like you want to lose your mind because no progress is being made. In fact, sometimes when we get in those moments, we just want to derail the process. Sometimes when you're in high school, 
You just want to quit because you're tired. Sometimes when you are in college, you want to quit because you just you want to get on with life. Sometimes when you're even married, sometimes this person can just get under your skin so much. And I'm not saying that from experience because I've had all nothing but joy. Uh, but, but sometimes... <laughs> But sometimes that person can get under your skin so much that you just want to, you know what? <laughs> you, just, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, when I say, <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? You better be careful, those of you who clapping. Uh, you, you, better, you better watch out because I'm only, I'm only repeating what I heard y'all saying now. Remember that? That ain't me. Sometimes you just want to, you just want to give up uh, the, the, the process because it's slow. Uh, but you see, uh, the, 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 the work to wholeness and promise fulfillment means that it feels like it's slow, but the work is moving forward. So God would tell you, don't give up. God would tell you, don't give in. But you hold on. Because again, look at Abraham and Sarah. She conceived and she bore Abraham a son. No details. You know, this, is, this is fascinating. No details about how the birth went. No details about how the pregnancy was. Well, did she get really, really sick? Did she have to sit around? Because, I mean, come on. Remember, she's 90 years old. Right? Because ladies... It's already enough, right, when you're in your 20s or your whatever you are, having your kids in the normal range age, right? Right? I, you know, I always tell you a story about my wife and she was having our, one of our kids. I can't think which one it was right now. But man, how this woman, she had me in a headlock. And man, she, she was like, Rrr! I mean, I'm like, man, y'all going to have to operate on me when y'all finish closing her up because, man, she, bought, she put in her, and this is, this is true, I'm, telling, I'm not making this up. Uh, this is what she did. She did this to me. Right? She had me in a headlock. Right? But when you think about the complications of what can happen uh, to a lady uh, that has a kid now in her 40s, and then imagine how they increase for those ladies who have kids in their 50s. But when you're 60, no, it's, it's, it's totally rare to have a kid. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, the doctors will tell you, you have no business having a kid. And then when you're 70, it's like, look, the store is closed, so just shut up. And then at 80 years old, it's like, huh, really now? So scripture never tells us if there were any complications that Sarah had. If it was a difficult birth. Why is that? Because God was superintending the events. So we can say that it was eventless. But notice in verse 2 that it says that it all happened at the time of which God had spoken to him. To him as Abraham. One version says, one version says, uh, the Holman Christian Standard says, at the appointed time, while another says, at the set time. That's the New King James Version. You see that? 
But there's no escape in the reality that God intended Sarah to have a baby at a time according to his own counsel. You see that? Even though it had taken 25 years, God was moving all along. God was doing something all along that he was moving this person here, this person here, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, but within his own counsel that there was an appointed time. There are things in your life that God has planned for you. That there is a set time, a set appointed time just for you. The question is, can you wait on God? Romans chapter 9, verse 9. Paul says, For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah will have a son. So now it becomes even more specific. Not just a child, but a son. God's plans are continually in motion. And now that it had gotten close, he let Abraham and Sarah, he let them in on the timing. So... Prior to that, it was just open-ended. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have a kid. And then God finally comes through. He says, you're going to have a kid next year this time. See that? But my question for us today is, what must we do while we await God's promise to be fulfilled or for Jesus to deliver us from the bondage of pain, suffering, or while we wait on that breakthrough? Surely God has plans for your good, not to harm you, even though sometimes it feels uh, that we are in a place of pain and suffering, and we're in a place of doubt, and we are, are questioning, and our minds are just totally confused. There is an appointed time for you. There is a set time which God has said, I will deliver you, and I will make things right. So God calls us, however, to wait on Him. Amen? You see, if there is an appointed time, that means you have to wait for your appointment. Amen? Uh, last time I went to the doctor for a, a checkup, uh, for some reason I had gotten my schedule out and I had gotten there maybe about an hour early. I'm like, oh man, this I got there in about an hour, maybe about 45 minutes to an hour early. And I said, well, that's okay. Maybe they'll take me early when I realized I was so early. When I got there, they said, no, Mr. Spencer, you have to wait your time. What do you do as you await your time? What must you do while you await God to bring his promises into fulfillment in your life? This is what you do. Here it is. Here's the word from God. Occupy. Occupy. You know, don't occupy Wall Street. Don't occupy City Hall. Occupy yourself with the presence of the Lord. In other words, uh, keep Him front and center of all your thinking. As you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? Well, it, it, it means this, that regardless of what you go through, you keep God front and center in your life. Why? Because there's things to pull you away. <clears throat> Scripture says that they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew. Uh, wait on the Lord to do what? Wait on the Lord to fulfill the appointed time for you. 
They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You want strength? You want the strength that Pastor Scott spoke of? Do you want the strength that Abraham ultimately had? Do you want the strength of the apostles? Do you need that strength? Then God says, wait on him. But the one thing we must deal with is this. Well, the one thing that we have been hoping for, the one thing we've been wishing for, the one thing that we've been faithfully praying to God for, that once we get it, will it finally make us happy? You see? When we look at the life of Abraham, it seems that everything uh, that they did, that it centered around having this child. God, I know you said you're going to do this, but huh? God, I know, but huh, I don't have a kid, though. You see, uh, we can become so focused in the thing that we want that we forget about God. If you want a thing more than you want God, you have a problem. If you want that man more than you want God, you have a problem. If you want that baby more than you want God, you have a problem. If you want that job more than you want God, there is a problem. There is something rotten in Denmark. See, for us, that we must focus and center upon God, the one who saved us, the one who rescued us. When we were languishing in sin, he died for us. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Are we so consumed with that one thing that we can no longer think of anything else? For Abraham and, and Sarah, part of their journey was to enjoy God. Part of their journey simply was to enjoy God through thick and thin. Stuff is going to happen. I was reading yesterday that the scripture says that oftentimes God, he brings struggles in our life as a palate cleanser. What do you mean by that? You know, you can be nice. You can have a nice and a good life. But then, you know how we get. We get kind of dull. You know, the, the very thing, I keep going back to what uh, 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 Gabrielle spoke earlier in the service uh, during worship uh, when she talked about the fog. Oftentimes, when I walk into service, I can tell when there's a fog in here. And one of my primary responsibilities is to try to break through that fog so we can get to God. In other words, that fog, there are things, circumstances, situations that we have been, been in that prevents us from really getting to, into a place that we can worship God. And if we can't get into that place, we can't even hear God. That fog prevents you. Did you do you realize that the fog prevents you from worshiping? Do you realize that the fog, that, that, that dullness, that's what I call it, that dullness, uh, it resists God's word coming in to grow in your life? Because you're so busy, well, this is not this, and this is not that. No, 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 no. You need to have, we need to have an expectant attitude on what God wants to do. And we keep that, expect that expectancy up, knowing that, that God will do a great thing in our midst. Don't expect me to deliver. No, no, no. Don't, 
Don't put that pressure on me. I don't need that. I don't want it. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't even take it. Everything that goes well is because of God. God be the glory. When it goes bad, you give it to God, right? I'm not taking it. I'm just here as a spokesperson. And when I'm done, somebody else is going to take my place. My job is to make sure that when I'm done, someone else takes my place. Uh, that uh, this role uh, to the message, the proclamation of the kingdom, that it continues. So you are here to get to God. You have to ask yourself, what is God telling me now? Don't get stuck on all the, uh, the, the visual things that you need to focus upwards. Because life will not always satisfy you. Life, boy, it will slap you silly. But remember the Lord's involvement in the process. Uh, Genesis uh, 21, verse 1, it says, <clears throat> as he promised, as he had promised. Verse uh, 2 says, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Uh, verse 4 says, as God had commanded him. So even though Abraham and, and other characters weaved in and out concerning their engagement with God, remember that the Lord was consistent. The Lord was always there. When, when Abraham and Sarah lied, God still got them out of that mess because he was there. Even though they didn't depend upon him, he was there. There were times when the Lord was not mentioned not even one time out of their mouth. When the last time you mentioned God? When last time you called upon the name of Jesus Christ? Or are you so big and bad that you don't need to call on the name of Jesus Christ? You just know this, that one day that God is going to give you a palate cleanser. That God is going to put you in a place that it, 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 it will force you to say, Jesus! Life will put you in a place that it will knock you down on your knees and cause you to say, Jesus! If you're living with your parents right now, your parents is your Jesus. See, because it is your parents that's taking care of all your needs. But once you get out of that house and your parents are no longer a viable source of income or dependency for you, then you will know, you will learn how to call upon the name of Jesus. So you better train yourself now. Don't wait until it's too late. Because the day-to-day -day grind causes us to focus on people, their motives, their pleasantries, their manipulations, and even their encouragements. We focus on what's for dinner, right? We're going to eat after church. We focus on that repair that's needed on the house or the car. We focus on our health issue or even money. You see, our daily interactions can sometimes be a sleight of hand. Our daily interactions can sometimes be a sleight of hand. You know what I mean by sleight of hand? It is that old magician's trick or the scam of a con man. Uh, one Christmas as a, as a gift, uh, my parents got me, uh, I think it was, uh, I forget the uh, music, uh, magician's name at the time, but I got a, uh, I got a little magic kit for Christmas. And one of the things in there was this trick concerning a handkerchief, right? You take a hand handkerchief and you, and you stuff it in your hand, right? And then poof, it's gone. And I didn't know what the trick was prior to then, but I finally figured out what it was. 
Basically, it was a little small cup that fits in the palm of your hand, and on the end of it, there was an elastic band that you tied like inside underneath a coat or something like that. And then you would stretch it out like this. So what would happen was you would take the, you would take the handkerchief and uh, maybe I shouldn't tell all the ma magician's trick, right? <laughs> So anyway, you, you already know how it goes. So you, you would take the handkerchief and you would stuff it in your hand like that, right? And then once you release it, uh, the elasticity of the little rope, rubber rope, uh, uh, it would flap back inside your jacket. Then you would do your hands like this and then it would be gone. But see, this is how life does us. It gets us to focus on the one thing. And then at that one moment that we take our eye off, it's like, poof, it's gone. And then we end up having not only the thing that we wanted, but also we end up not having God. See, life can be like a magician's trick where God wants us to focus on him. We end up focusing on the stuff. Again, I'll tell you a story about the one time uh, when I was younger, uh, one of the earlier times that I rode on the bus. And um, I got on the bus, I was in front of the bus, but uh, you probably know how I am by now. I uh, hear all the ruckus going on in the back of the bus, so what do I do? Uh, Mr. Man, he decides to go to the back of the bus to see what's going on. I go to the back of the bus to see what's going on. They're back there playing uh, three-card molly. Uh, I didn't know what it was called. I just thought they were trying to play a game. So I'm sitting back. I wasn't sitting where I was watching. I'm like, man, I see all that stuff going on. I can see exactly what they're doing, so and so forth. And I can't believe that guy didn't get it. So what I did after I figured all that stuff out, I turned around and I went back to the front of the bus. You know me better than that by now, right? <laughs> Said, I want to play. So I stood there and I watched him. I watched him like a hawk. I was, I was young. I watched him like a hawk. I mean, I can see this, right? You know, I was like, you know, I was like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, phew, I can see a fly. I can kick a fly. I can kick a fly in the sky. So surely I can see what's going on here, right? So I see him do all that other stuff. I'm like, boom, I won. So my $1 turned to $2. I said, let's play again. It was getting good, wasn't it? So we get down there, boom, 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 boom. He does it. I'm watching, I'm like, I won again. This is going great. I said, you know what? I'm gonna take five dollars out. I'm gonna add five dollars to the mix. He gets going there, boom, 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 and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I stop for a second. He says, Well, you lost. You you man, you lost. And then I said, wait a minute. I said, you tricked me. I said, you took that car. He said, I ain't do nothing. I said, let me see. He said, I'm not letting you see anything. And then I said, you better. I said, you better let me see. Next thing I know is about three guys. They all stood up. And I just turned around. I just said, look. <laughs> you know? So life can be the same way that we end up, that it can end up tricking us. We think that we are smarter than what God is, so therefore we take our own matters into our own hand and we end up tricked. Next thing you know, not only do we not have the thing that we wanted, but we also not even have that relationship with God. So therefore we must not fall for, uh, for life's three-card Molly scam. Because it is God who's wiser than all. So uh, the son of Abraham uh, uh, that arrived, it, it changes the outlook for Abraham family and the family of faith. It changes the Abraham family because they now have what they had been hoping for all of their lives. But it also changes the family of faith because it opens, this is Abraham now, uh, 
Abraham gives us uh, four, uh, 20, 21, I think, uh, 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 in, in Romans chapter 4. Right? It, it gives us this hope and it opens up the way for Jesus Christ. But if the Lord fulfills a promise for you, know that there's also a threat lurking around the corner. There are continual threats to God's promises to your life that they are bound to happen. Well, I, won't, I am not going to get a chance to finish this. There's no way in the world. And, um, but what I do want to tell you is that God wants to bless us and he calls us to just wait on him. I, I, I know that it's hard and I know sometimes you hurt because sometimes I hurt. Look, I'm, I'm a person just like you are. I get it. But God would have me to tell you to hold on. Can you hold on for another day? Can you hold on for God to work his counsel off for your life? Don't, don't give up now. You've made it this far. Don't, don't throw your hat. And now, don't, don't, let, don't derail the process. God is going to bless you. He's calling you to faithfulness. Will you do it? Will you?